Welcome to Vinyasa in Verse, the podcast where we connect mind, body, and spirit through poetry and practice. I'm Leslie Ann Hobayan. Together, we'll explore different ways of connecting with our innermost selves and how to tap into the flow of the universe. Because once that happens, anything is possible. Your best life starts now. Hey loves, welcome to another episode of Vinyasa Inverse. How are you on this beautiful day? It is a little overcast where I am right now, but I know that I can find beauty in anything. So hopefully you too can find the beauty in your life, whether it is just something as simple as a refreshing glass of water or a slow cleansing deep breath. Remember that beauty is anywhere at your fingertips. Okay, so today I want to continue the month of Rumi. So for this month, I am reading some famous Rumi quotes. And if I can find the full poem, I try to read that as well. Uh, To change it up a little bit, um, give Hafez a little break. <laughs> but I thought I, I thought it would be great for um, for Rumi to come in because we all are familiar with his quotes uh, and often people aren't sure what to make of it or if they do then uh, they just kind of acknowledge it and move on. So I, I just wanted to take uh, this opportunity to dive a little deeper into this great Sufi mystic poet's words. So for today, uh, we've got this this famous quote, uh, which is often credited to somebody else, and I'll talk about that in a second. But let me read the full poem, the full, I guess, fragment of his poem, because when uh, Rumi wrote verses, often they are collected as fragments. I mean, there are some that are traditional poems where there's a title and, you know, some stanzas, but often the quotes that that we're familiar with are drawn from fragments. So this one is a, a fragment that is untitled. So I'll just start reading it and then we'll go from there. I said, what about my eyes? He said, keep them on the road. I said, what about my passion? He said, keep it burning. I said, what about my heart? He said, tell me what you hold inside it. I said, pain and sorrow. He said, stay with it. The wound is the place where the light enters you. And that's the quote that most people know, that last line. The wound is the place where the light enters you. Now often this um, quote is attributed to Leonard Cohen. Um, Or is it Leonard Bernstein? (laughs) I think it's Leonard Bernstein. Um, It's it's often attributed to him because he uh, wrote a song that included these words, which I believe he was borrowing from Rumi. So, um, so if it sounds familiar, then there you go. But I wanted to, to take a closer look at this, um, this poem because often uh, when we are going through spiritual growth uh, and transformation, there are some sticky points, there are some discomforts, um, 
And often we view pain and sorrow as negative things, you know, um, as ways uh, in which the universe might be punishing us. Um, you know, there's, there's this common belief that um, we are punished for things when we don't do them correctly or we do the wrong thing or whatever it is. And I actually, I'm not, I used to believe that, but I, I no longer believe that. I, I believe that the pain and sorrow um, can offer lessons for us. Now, this is not to say that everything, you know, all of our suffering, all of our pain and sorrow is um, a learning moment, but it is helpful to reframe our experiences of pain and sorrow, of discomfort, um, in ways that can help us, in ways we can we can ask ourselves, okay, what am I learning from this? How can I grow from this? Um, you know, there's a saying that uh, one of my mentors often repeats, and I, I'm sure I've mentioned it on this on this podcast before, and it is, there is no such thing as failure. There is only lesson. So when you are moving forward in your life and you're working towards achieving goals or whatever the case may be, you can only succeed or learn a lesson. So for example, if you are um, running a business and you offer your services, your product, whatever it is, and it doesn't produce the results that you had hoped. Like maybe you had in mind a certain number of sales um, and that doesn't happen. Uh, and we can look at it as like, oh, I failed. You know, like I put it out there and I failed. And, you know, I guess this is the universe telling me that uh, this is not my thing. And I want to say no, 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 before you start that path and that thought, ask yourself, okay, what can I learn from this? Can I do this differently? Can I approach my offer differently? You know, what did I do that resulted in these numbers? And is there something that maybe missed the mark? Did my messaging sort of miss the mark? Is my offer not something that people need? You know, there's lots of questions that can help us understand what uh, didn't produce the results we would like, or maybe the results are the results. And, um, and that's what you start working with. And then so you continue on that path. And then as you work with, you know, the, the sales that you have, then maybe you can find out and discover more information about, you know, what tweaks need to be made. Now, this is in the business perspective. So what if we um, shifted that to the spiritual perspective, right? So let's say um, we enter a, a meditation practice and our intention is that we want clarity. You know, I have actually, this reminds me, I have a story a friend of mine told me. She, um, she said that she had this intention. She went on a, a trip to, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Nepal, and uh, she went with this intention of, you know, I'm, I want, I'm ready for some transformation, you know, uh, spiritual transformation. And um, she, told, she told me that that was the most difficult trip she ever experienced. Difficult in terms of, you know, challenges along the way, um, things not going as smoothly, um, spiritual, you know, 
sticky points. Um, and so she said, that's the last time I'm asking for transformation <laughs> because the universe delivered. Because the universe was like, oh, you want transformation? Okay, here. Here are the challenges that are going to push you out of your comfort zone, that are going to challenge you, and you need to rise to the occasion in order for you to evolve, in order for you to get the transformation that you asked for. So you asked for that? Here you go. And so it's it's that... It's, it's that good old saying of like, be careful what you wish for, right? So um, so in thinking about reframing um, how we see pain and sorrow, right? Rumi is saying, stay with it. Stay with the pain and sorrow. Sit with it. The wound is the place where the light enters you. So thinking about pain and sorrow. Okay, let's say we sit with that, right? Let's sit with the pain and the sorrow, the grief, the depression, whatever it is, the anxiety, whatever we're sitting with and examine it. See if it's possible for you to become the observer of your own experience. It takes a little bit of work to, to kind of get that distance, but it's a very interesting experience to say, okay, here I am observing myself experiencing anxiety. You know, I've, I've, feel the sensations of my body of this this low buzzing you know this sort of like crawling under my skin feeling you know where I just want to like go ah you know like shake it out of me um to observe that and to say okay this is what's happening this is what my how my body's responding what choices can I make to help alleviate this to help release whatever is causing this um What's some of the inner work that I can do so that anxiety becomes a non-factor in my life? Um, so of course it takes time. It's not gonna be something instant, but it all starts with thinking about how pain and sorrow is an opportunity for us to break down our barriers, to break down these facades we had put up as protections from the world right so the pain and sorrow is like hey you know you put that wall around your heart but we still got in there anyway so what are you going to do about it allow yourself to release that wall allow yourself to feel that pain and that sorrow and don't worry about breaking down so much that you can't get back together because that is a story that's a narrative our mind tells us we have it within us to bounce back. We have it within us to care for ourselves. And, you know, I keep thinking about this um, syntax of the, of the quote, the wound is the place where the light enters you. And of course, I, I wanna address the, the rest of the poem as well. But this last line really um, hooks into me because you know, Rumi says, the wound is the place where the light enters you. So you've got a wound. You've got a broken heart, we'll say. You know, like a really, like someone broke your heart. Could be a friend, could be a romantic relationship, whatever it is. You know, your heart got broken and that heart is wounded. And Rumi's saying, that is where the light enters you. And the light, the word light is, is capitalized. So we're talking about divine light. We're talking about the light of the universe. Um... And so that's where the light enters you in that wound. But my thing is, and this is where things get interesting for me, right? And some people might disagree and they may, you know, go all up in arms about 
um, me ruining the Rumi quote, <laughs> but I want to offer this alternative, right? What if the wound is the place where the light shines forth from you? Because I am a big believer in the, the idea, I was going to say the fact, <laughs> facts all. I don't know if there's a fact. Um, but I'm a big believer in this idea that there is a light within each of us, right? I mean, namaste is the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. So we all have a divine light within us, right? And that is the thing that connects all of us. That is the thing that makes us a collective. You know, there's a lot of talk about the collective, you know, everyone's like, what the heck is the collective? You know, it's, it's, it's humans. It's humans together with this divine light as our commonality. We are all connected energetically. And in that energy, our light is feeding that, which then be makes us this, this collective. So when people talk about the collective, that's, that's what they're talking about. Um, so thinking about the wound, okay, we'll take, we'll take the broken heart as the example. Thinking about the wound, right, is the place where the light shines forth from you feels really amazing because it is saying that we are able, and this is my reading of it, right? This is my sort of flipping the script of Rumi's quote. We are able to heal ourselves from the inside out. This is how I'm seeing the Rumi um, poem. And I know it's like, but it's wrong. You, you're saying, you know, you're, you're twisting his words around, whatever. You know, I mean, I'm very respectful of Rumi. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not irreverent. I'm very respectful of Rumi and I love him. I love Hafez, but I want to offer this alternative way of looking at light at the site of the wound. I want to look at this idea that we are all housing divine light, right? Our innermost selves is made up of light this divine light that shines forth. So if we are closed off, okay, let's say we're closed off, you know, we've got the, we've got the wall around the heart, we've got, you know, boundaries thrown up, we don't want anyone to get near us. For whatever reason, you know, we could have been hurt uh, previously, we could have grown up in uh, unsafe environments, or at least environments that didn't feel safe for us. And so we've got these walls, you know, everyone's got walls of some kind or another. Um, it could be something like just general social conditioning, you know, these layers of, of stories that are put upon us that aren't necessarily true for our, you know, divine selves. And so in thinking about how we can break open ourselves, how the wound, this we'll say the broken heart can further open up so that our divine light can shine through. And when that shines through, and this is the part that I love, is that everyone can see who you really are. Everyone can see your light radiating out and they will be inspired. They will be moved to allow their own light to shine forth, to find their wounds and send their inner light through it in order for them to also be seen, to also radiate out. And how beautiful is that? Imagine a world where everyone 
could radiate their own inner light. Everyone could transmute their pain and their sorrow, their wounds, their traumas. If everyone could transmute it into sites of radiance, we would be living in such a brilliant world. I mean, literally, like brilliant light. Oh my God, just thinking about it gets me so excited. And so how do we do that? <laughs> well, one person at a time, right? And it's not, it's not about us trying to help people, trying to help one person at a time. It is us honoring who we are and being who we need to be as ourselves. You know, it's all about the inner work because the inner work, the work we do on ourselves affects those around us. And I've said this before, you know, whatever work we're doing on ourselves, the people around us notice. And if it's, if it's good work, if it's work that honors the divinity in you, if it honors your inner knowing, then that is a, a thing that people get inspired by and will then want to do that same thing too. They may come up to you and be like, oh my God, you look so different. What happened to you? Like, what'd you do different? You get a new haircut? Did you dye your hair? You're wearing different clothes? Like, what's going on with you? You look so radiant. You know, I've, got, I've gotten that actually. And, um, and, and I kind of laugh to myself because it's, it's like I want to say, well, I did this really deep healing work over the last, I don't know, bazillion years. I mean, if I'm gonna count, if I'm gonna count how long it's been in earnest, like real deep healing work, I want to say it's been at least three, if not four years, of 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 really intense healing work. Even though my healing journey has has been going on probably for the last twenty some odd years, um, but the significant healing has happened in the last three to four years, um, where people are noticing, people are are like wow, you're so different. Like not in a, not in a bad way, in a, this is who you really are. And I see you for that. And I am amazed and want to do whatever you're doing. Like, it's almost like people are like, where's the fountain of youth? Because you look amazing. So can you direct me there? Can I just drink from the fountain of youth? And then I'll look like you. <laughs> of course, that's not the case, right? Um, I mean, there is, there is a, a quote unquote fountain of youth. Um, as uh, found in a certain practice called the five Tibetan rites, which, um, which my friend Judith had, uh, had taught me. And, and that's an amazing, like little practice. And if you guys are interested in that, you know, drop me a, a, a note and I will share it with you because it's a really simple thing, but, um, but it really gets the blood flowing and it's good. So thinking about our own inner work and how that helps others, you know, because a lot of us want to help other people, you know, we are humans, we are designed to thrive in communities and help each other. And I know that's a little tough now with the pandemic. Um, it's tough for us to feel like we're in community with people if we're just seeing people on a very flat two dimensional screen. But we do what we can. Right. I mean, a lot of us are are longing for those times of real presence of gathering in somebody's home or, um, you know, uh, organizational space to just be in each other's company, to talk casually, to, you know, snack on food because, you know, I love food, you know, and and I miss that. I miss that that kind of sense of community. But 
it can happen as different as it is it can happen online it can happen um, you know with this two-dimensional screen but it comes down to humans are communal beings you know we are we are a species that thrives on being in contact with each other supporting each other and helping each other but if we're not good ourselves if we are not doing well on the inside how can we expect to help those people on the outside you know our inner landscape determines what our outer landscape looks like you know our thoughts our inner thoughts our our inner world conditions creates the reality we see outside of ourselves it creates our external reality and so if you want to see a world and when I say world it can mean like literally the globe or it can mean your own personal world but to see the world in joy in light in peace in happiness and all those fuzzy warm feeling things to see that around you you first need to start on the inside you need to start by going within and looking around you know first start looking around like okay this is my house what is going on in here <laughs> right what's going on in this house of mine in this spiritual house of mine because a lot of us don't spend a lot of time there there are things that build up you know there's clutter in there there's and if you're like me there's stacks of books you know the bookshelves are so jammed that I've got stacks of books piled up on the floors you know you got book piles everywhere um, papers are everywhere you know things from last year that you forgot were there and you didn't put away in its proper spot is there you know so the clutter is building up so take a look around your spiritual house and survey what is going on you know and then come up with some kind of plan or strategy all right how can I declutter how can I clean up a bit how can I tidy up so that I can create a warm space for me to feel at home to feel at home in my own body to feel at home with my wounds to feel at home with my traumas you know clear out your spiritual house tidy it up you know if it, if like Marie Kondo says if it doesn't spark joy get rid of it <laughs> and spiritually speaking if you want to get rid of it one uh, one tool that I like to do is to journal it out you know just like do this sort of uh, word vomit <laughs> I like to say um, just a stream of consciousness thing just be like okay I release da -da 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 -da. you know make a list I release these things I release expectation, I release judgment of others, I release um, self-judgment, self-criticism, I release um, limited, limited beliefs about myself, about others, about, you know, money, possibility, all those limits, I release that. You know, just make a big list. That's cleaning house. And then what you can do with that list is you can burn it. You know, you can create a little ritual space for yourself 
and offer it to the universe and say, hey, hey universe, you know, if you want to be casual, hey universe, or you could be, you know, more sacred, dear universe, I want to release all these things and I offer them to you and I set them free by lighting this paper, boom, done, you know? Um, so try that, try that as part of your house cleaning, your spiritual house cleaning. So once you've got that house cleaned, I mean, it's gonna take some time. So don't think, and this is what a lot of people do, don't think you have to clean the house first before you start the work. You can do both at the same time. So you can start tidying up a little corner here, a little corner there, but then you can also start to do the work of healing, to do the work of looking at your wounds, of, of observing the pain and the sorrow you are experiencing and sitting with it. Now, don't hang out there. You know, we're not saying hang on to it, hold on to it like a teddy bear from your childhood. No, no. It's about noticing it, feeling it, acknowledging its presence, maybe hugging it, you know, making friends with it, as Pema Chodron likes to say, and then letting it go. And just say, okay, thank you for, you know, being here, for giving me the experience of what pain is like, of what trauma is like. I acknowledge that. I've learned whatever it is I need to learn from you. And I, I release you. I set you free. And that if the lesson that I learned still hasn't been learned, may I learn that in other ways. And then you can just begin that healing work. So yeah, so that's what I want to offer in terms of thinking about the light is already within us. Yeah. And the wound is a way that the light can radiate out. So we can take both. We can do Rumi's way and my way, right? We can think of the, the wound as the place where our divine light radiates out, but also the light of the universe comes in toward, to us to further nourish us, to amplify our inner light. So we can do both, not mutually exclusive. And that's, and that's some thinking that, that um, needs to be adjusted because I think this tendency is for us to think either or. It's one or the other, can't have both. But as my as one of my mentors says, there is the and. The light can radiate out from us and come into us at the same time. So, um, so yeah, so I wanted to, to, to kind of riff off on that, but I also wanted to look at the earlier lines of this poem. You know, I said, what about my eyes? He said, keep them on the road. So what that means as far as, you know, my own personal take on it, because everyone has their own way of receiving a poem and assigning it meaning. What I see here is the eyes are to stay on the road to truth, to your own truth, because your truth is different from other people's truths. So what about my eyes? Keep them on the road, you know, stay on the path of your highest self. You know, I mean, there, there, there are definitely going to be detours. You know, there are going to be things that trip you up. 
There's going to be distractions and temptations and whatever, whatever else it is, you know, things that, that don't serve you, like maybe a gallon of chocolate ice cream. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the road. Look away from the chocolate ice cream. Now, I'm, say I'm not saying that chocolate ice cream is bad. I'm saying eating an entire half gallon of it out of the carton isn't exactly the best thing for your body. Just saying, just saying. But also to say that our bodies are sacred temples of our soul, of our divine light. So let's treat them with care and a sense of sacredness. It's a holy temple. And maybe that holy temple wants some chocolate ice cream. But I don't think I need to eat the whole half gallon. <laughs> okay, so next section is, I said, what about my passion? He said, keep it burning. So what are you passionate about in your life? You know, I, um, I teach undergraduate students and I have a few that are graduating in May and they are concerned about what to do after graduation. And a lot of them are on that path because of conditioning by society and, and our culture is that um, the, the next quote unquote natural step, which is totally not natural, is to find a job. And what is that job going to be? Maybe, you know, often it's, it's an office job. You know, often they're like, I'm going to apply for an internship or, or a position with a publishing house, um, or I'm going to do this job, be a social media manager or something, something, right? Forgetting about the passion. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not knocking office jobs. The thing is, if it's a, if it's a, a way for you to do your passion, go for it. By all means, do it. But when I see creative students of mine start to apply for jobs that sound soul-killing, it just really breaks my heart. Um, because I know that they're stuck in that wheel of this illusion of financial security with a job. And that money is more important than their calling, their vocation, their passion. Um, they haven't yet learned the lesson that when you follow your passion and really commit to, to that, to doing it, to honoring it, to acting in any way that honors that passion, then the money will follow. And that's a big trust. That's a big trust. Because, you know, tr jobs in corporate America, you know, they come with a salary. And, and so... You know, often students, and not, I'm not just talking undergraduates, I'm not just talking, you know, my students, I'm talking people in general, they see jobs as quote unquote guaranteed money. You know, you get a job, you get a paycheck every two weeks, great, you know, and you know how much you're going to get every time, right? And that feels secure, but it's not, it's an illusion. Why? Because you could get laid off from that job anytime. That company could go out of business at any time. That company may ghost you at any time. So there's no such thing as guarantees. There's no such thing as stability, predictability, certainty, nothing. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that. It's taught us that uncertainty has always been the guaranteed thing, that change is the only guaranteed thing. There's no constant at all. So to 
spend your time in pursuit of a job that does not fulfill you feels like a waste of time. And yes, you know, money is important. I'm not knocking that. But can we trust that when we follow our passion, that the compensation will follow, that the universe will take care of you? You know, there's a, there's a Bible quote, and uh, there's a, it's a famous reading. I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew. I'm not so good with my scriptures. Um, I just recognize them, but I can't tell you like what chapter, what verse, what book, any of that stuff. I'm sure I could Google it and look it up, but um, maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But there's, I, I'm pretty sure it's the, the Gospel of Matthew, but he, he talks about how um, God provides, you know, the birds don't worry about where their next meal is going to come from. They just go out, they find it, and then they go back to their nest and they're fed. You know, the flowers don't worry about their clothes, what they're going to look like when they bloom. They just bloom and they know that they're going to be beautiful. So why can't humans do the same? Why can't we just trust that we are taken care of, that the universe will come forward in ways that we don't expect, you know? Um, it's, it's a hard trust. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's something that you got to work up to because we are very reliant on the concrete world, on the world that exists, that we can access with our five senses. And so the invisible energies are hard for us to grasp unless you are on this spiritual path and you've, and you've been awakened to these other realms um but it is about trust trusting the universe will take care of you you know i've i've had a few moments in my own life where you know i had to i had to uh pay a bill and i was like i don't know where this money is going to come from you know um and i just said you know what i'm going to try this manifestation thing so i did this little manifestation game that um another one of my mentors had uh, had offered her name's Catherine Zankina and she um she's known for for teaching manifestation she's really great so I tried this manifestation game that she offered and uh you know I set the intention said hey you know I want to manifest this amount for this bill don't know where it's going to come from but that's none of my business you know the how is not something to be concerned with it's set the intention and then let it go set the intention, feel it, really want it, like be like, yes, this is what I need, this is what I want, and then let it go. The universe will take care of it, right? So I did the I did the manifestation. And wouldn't you know, like the next day, a random check came in the mail for that amount. Now, I wasn't expecting the check at all, and I was like, "What?" Just out of nowhere it came. And so I was like, "Okay. This is what everyone's been talking about when the universe when they say the universe is going to take care of you this is what happens and it may not be like a random check in the mail it could be like a random job offer like someone says hey you know what I've I've got this job and immediately you came to mind you know it could come it could come that way or it could come as like you know you've got a 75% discount on this thing that you really wanted to buy you know something like that So to think about how you are taken care of and to trust that you are taken care of um, because you are following your passion, because you are following your 
calling, your highest good, your highest self, and what that highest self wants to do in this lifetime. So keep it burning, just like Rumi says, keep it burning. And then the next part is, I said, what about my heart? And he said, tell me what you hold inside it. And then we shift into the pain and sorrow. So we're talking about the heart, and if the heart is holding pain and sorrow, to allow for that to be felt, to then transmute it into something that can support you, something that can allow for your divine light to radiate and for the universe light to come in and nourish you and support you. Oh, so many good things. So many. Um, okay. I don't know. I'm just, I'm so fired up right now. I really, yeah, I love it. Love it. All right. So if any of this stuff that I said resonates with you, because I would love to hear from you, because this stuff, this is the stuff that I've been working on myself and learning about and have had so many aha moments. Um, and and it's just it's just done so much for my life it's changed my life in so many big and small ways that i wanted to share it with everybody so if any of this stuff resonates with you if any of this stuff feels like aha moments for you or if you have questions about it you know please please reach out to me i would love to hear from you um you could just drop me a, a direct message uh, on my instagram account it's at surya gyan yogi uh, S-U-R-Y-A-G-I-A-N, Yogi. Um, or you can email me. Um, email address will be in the show notes. But I really do want to hear from you because I feel like this is information that a lot of people could use um, in helping to alleviate whatever suffering, whatever pain, whatever sorrow, whatever traumas people are experiencing and to figure out, all right, what do I do with this stuff? You know, how can I use it how can I transmute it into something useful so that I can then step into my own power so that I can rise to the occasion and really truly be the person I am meant to be you know it's all about being like who are you being like what are you embodying not so much what you're doing right the doing is the doing is is you know there it's kind of important but the being is what's key and so I would love to hear from you. You know, I just get so excited about this stuff. All right, all right, okay. We're gonna close the episode with um, with Hafez because you know he is just awesome, and I just wanted to you know flip the scripts a little bit by bringing Rumi at the beginning. But Hafez, I always turn to Hafez. So we're just rifling through the pages of the random poem selector, and this is called Spiced Manna. Someone will steal you if you don't stay near and sell you as a slave in the market. I sing to the nightingale's hearts, hoping they will learn my verse so that no one will ever imprison your brilliant angel feathers. Have I put enough spiced manna on your plate tonight in this tavern where Hafez serves? If not, please wait, for more light is now fermenting. Someone will steal you if you don't stay near and sell you as a slave in the market. So your beloved and I sing. Hmm. I love how the singing is this way of keeping the you 
near and close. I love to sing. And so the music, the divine music, keeps this you in the poem, us, as Hafez is addressing us, the readers, keeping us close to the divine, to the beloved, so that we can stay on the road that Rumi was talking about. We can keep our eyes on the road because we're being serenaded by this divine song. Hmm, I love it. And I love how it just matched so perfectly with Rumi's poem. Okay, okay. So my friends, I hope you have a beautiful day. I really do. And um, I do hope to hear from any of you or all of you. It would be really great. Uh, but for now, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. With the new year upon us, wouldn't you like to start a new habit to help you thrive in your life? Meditation helps to create inner peace and reduce stress and anxiety. As with any new endeavor, we need a little help getting started. You're in luck. You can grab my free resource, Five Tips on Meditation, to help you start your meditation practice on a high note. Just email me, lesleyann at suryagiyan.com. Or you can leave me a DM on Instagram with the handle at suryagiyanyogi. What better way to welcome the new year than with a new meditation practice? Because your best life starts.